In the name of Jesus, amen. Imagine uh, for a moment you're a parent with a couple of children. Uh, We'll call them Tom and Jerry. Uh, If you are a parent, you probably won't have to imagine this scenario, just imagine that is. So young Tom comes to you one morning and says, Parent, I've been doing some routine reconnaissance in Jerry's bedroom, and I found these. At which point, Tom pulls out a half-eaten bag of Oreo Mega Stuff cookies. Without speaking, you think to yourself, thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. We care about Jerry, and we want Jerry to be healthy. And, and though Oreos are a good gift of God, at least in moderation, especially Mega Stuff, a whole package of Oreos, stolen, secretly hoarded, eaten, that's not good for Jerry. Not good at all. So thank you, Tom. You think. I say you, you think that and don't say it out loud because in addition to the uh, evidence in hand, Tom, sweet Tom, innocent Tom, Tom who would never dream of even stealing a single Oreo, Tom, in addition to the evidence in hand, also has a great big smile on his face. Do you see what's going on there and why you find it difficult to thank Tom for outing the undeniably bad behavior of his brother, Jerry? You do. Because Tom is just a little too pleased with his find, is he not? And not at all because he is at all concerned about brother Jerry's cholesterol level. (laughs) No. In fact, the longer you look at Tom, cookies in hand, big smile on face, the less concerned you are with Jerry's thievery than you are with Tom's glee. Jesus is concerned about Tom, too. Uh, Our Lord is no favor of contraband cookies either, but in Matthew 13, in this so-called parable of the weeds, Jesus is concerned about Tom and about the Tom in all of us. In fact, I mentioned last week uh, how he, in the context, in the day he's telling this parable and some others, he's just been rubbing shoulders with the Pharisees who, as Matthew tells it, are the ultimate Toms, (laughs) who've made it their whole life's work to out all the Jerry's. And so this story says a man sows good wheat seed while he sleeps. An enemy sows weed seed. Wheat comes up, but alas, weed's too. Pretty boilerplate so so far. But then the interesting things start. The servants. Master, did you, did you not sow good seed? How then does it have weeds? That's the first suspicious whiff of Tom. Master, we could also translate that, did, you, you did sow good seeds, right? <laughs> In other words, whatever has happened here, we, Tom, sweet Tom, innocent Tom, are in no way, shape, or form at fault. <laughs> we are your servants, of course, and we can understand how someone might draw the conclusion that we had something to do with the weeds out there, that we somehow dropped the ball, but no way. 
Not us. We don't drop balls. We don't steal Oreos. We don't sow seeds. You see, these Toms, they are so preoccupied with making sure everyone knows just how squeaky clean they are. They are not even above insinuating their master might not be. Master, you, you sowed good seeds, right? It'd be like in my little, little vignette, uh, it'd be like Tom saying, Parent, uh, you didn't leave the mega stuff on the bottom shelf, did you? Because I certainly didn't. Jesus goes on, no, an enemy did it. And then I imagine very, very quickly, then you want us to gather them up? <laughs> no, let them be. The reapers will do it later, says Jesus. In other words, not now and certainly not you. Which I said this is strange, it gets nutty, which is nutty because everyone knows that weeds are undeniably bad news and that they can get really out of hand if you simply let them be. That's a nutty answer. Unless, unless that is, there is something from the master's perspective that is even worse news than weeds. Unless, unless perhaps from that parent's perspective, there is something even worse than contraband cookies. Unless perhaps Jesus, more than with weeds, more than with Jerry's undeniable unrighteousness, is concerned about those servants, Tom's, my, your, self-righteousness. Tom. That smile on your face. You're a little too happy to see Jerry so punished. Servants, you are way too excited about pulling weeds and quick to protest your own weediness. If I send you out there crusading through the field, no telling what kind of damage you'll do. Like I said, Jesus is concerned about the time and all of us, and there is plenty of that going on these days. A few years ago, I, uh, I read something by a Christian thinker. His name's Alan Jacobs. He teaches at Baylor now. Uh, it stuck with me back then, and it popped up in another thing I was reading this week. It's a short thing. He says, uh, the great moral crisis of our time is not, as many of my fellow Christians believe, sexual licentiousness. And that's not that important. It happened to be when he first wrote these words, it was in the context of some big sex scandal going on all over the news. But it could be any juicy sin. He says, the great moral crisis of our time is not, as many of my fellow Christians believe, juicy sin, but rather vindictiveness. Social media serve as crack for moralists. There's no high like the high you get from punishing malefactors. (laughs) The high you get from punishing the malefactors. The big high smile on Tom's face because he is sticking it to Jerry. (laughs) The servants chomping at the bit to get them some rascally weeds. And that high is a high because as long as I'm crusading for righteousness, no one's going to go poking around in my dirty closet. And it is a high. It it is a high. This is maybe a little bit of a a trivial example uh, of it. Um, But I myself am, uh, am just now coming down from a little bit of a high. Myself. You, you see, uh, I live in a neighborhood. I say it's trivial, but it, it makes the point. I live in a neighborhood, a bunch of houses squeezed in, uh, has a, a homeowner's uh, association with, with lots of rules, 
Most of them are fine. I don't like all of them. I don't like the one that tells me where I have to put my garbage can, which I usually, usually kind of ignore. Um, but one of the ones I do like is that you're not allowed to have short-term rentals in the neighborhood. No Airbnbs. I think there's even a county rule against it anyway, but it's in the, it's in the covenants telling word itself. Um, I like it. It's a good idea. I like to know who's in the neighborhood, where my kids are walking around and stuff like that. But it's become apparent that one of the houses just down and across the street from me is being rented as an Airbnb. And that is not good. My son Phoenix, 10 years old, walks right by this house probably 10 times a week or more on the way to his grandparents' house. I kind of like to know who lives there, who's there. Well, last weekend, some folks spotted the renters. It was a bachelorette party. We know that because one of the renters there had a sash on that said, getting married. And we know, we know that uh, we, we saw that sash because she and 10 of her bachelorette friends were on the roof of the house <laughs> drinking champagne. <laughs> Not a good thing. Weedy, undeniably unrighteous behavior, dangerous even, and rightly reported Maybe not in the best place, but reported on the neighborhood Facebook page. But then the surprising, not surprising thing are the over 100 comments that showed up, most within an hour, (laughs) some of which were written by yours truly. (laughs) And oh my goodness, to read them, who does this owner think he is? Where does he live? We must find him. We must sue him. We must deactivate his pool key fob. We must tar and feather him. We must find where he's hiding the Oreos. You'd think that the guy was harboring the Dark Lord himself in this house. And again, I wrote some of those, and I liked a whole bunch of them. And when I was doing it, I probably had a big smile on my face. And again... The Airbnb, clearly wrong, unneighborly, even illegal, should not be going on. But what's fascinating, not fascinating, once you see how thirsty we are for punishing the malefactors, was the explosion of tomfoolery that followed. What a high pointing out their wrongs. And so Jesus' parable, what's it called? Parable of the weeds, right? No. (laughs) That's what it's usually called. And that is, in fact, what the disciples call it. Note in our text, last week Jesus named it. This week, it's what the disciples call it when they take Jesus aside and say to him, explain to us this parable of the weeds. And I imagine that the disciples name it that because like Tom and the servants and me on Facebook, they are really jonesing to nail them some rascally weeds. Tell us about them weeds, Jesus, so they name it. But if Jesus were given naming rights, I bet he would have picked something like uh, the parable of the overzealous weeders. (laughs) Or maybe, maybe the parable of the wrongly right servants. I kind of I like the, the ring of that one because it recognizes Tom's and the servants and my rightness. Tom was right about the Oreos. Bad for Jerry. Servants, right about the weeds, bad for wheat. Uh, Alan Jacobs, uh, uh, fellow Christians, and me, right about juicy sin and uh, a drunk women on the roof of a house. <laughs> Disruptive, destructive, dangerous, but, but wrongly right. 
right and the wrong way, when with a smile, when with the crusader's glee, or with the, the let him burn vindictiveness. And so the master, to the servant, and to Jesus, and to me, he says, let him be. Better unrighteous weeds than I become a self-righteous Tom in the pulling. Because unrighteousness, you see, that can be forgiven. But self-righteousness, that's some dangerous territory there. For the hallmark of the self-righteous is that he is convinced, absolutely convinced, that he has nothing that needs forgiving. Just think about that. You come up with lots of examples, but rather just go back to that, that opening vignette that I kind of made up, didn't make up. Imagine Tom's blustering, how dare you, blah, 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 when instead of running off to punish Brother Jerry, you say, Tom, we really need to have a conversation about that smile on your face. Go on and on about this. You probably should. It's the kind of thing that would be good to have a big conversation about where we, we see all this going on, but we only have so much time, right? So before bringing this all to an end, what about those weeds? What do we do about them? Well, if we're going to stick with this parable for now, I guess one of the things we do is we leave them be, at least as long as we're wearing our Tom name tags. But if we keep reading the story that is outside the parable and ask Jesus, Lord, what are you going to do about the weeds? What are you doing about the weeds? In words and deeds, he actually tells us. He says, I'm going to do the exact same thing for the weeds that I'm going to do for the wheat. I'm going to love them. And I'm going to die for them. And I'm going to rise for them. In unpacking the parable, I'm not making this up, in unpacking the parable, the disciples come to Jesus, and when he tells them what it's about, he says that that field with the weeds and the wheat is what? He says it's the world. And what does Jesus do with the world? Well, here again, the scriptures of God that you know already so well, for God so loved the world, the whole darn thing, the whole field that he gave his only son, John 3, 16. For he is the forgiveness of our sins, but not only ours, but for the sins of the whole world, the whole field, 1 John 2, verse 2. You'll sing it yourselves a little bit later in the service, John 1, 29. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the whole thing. I know what the parable has to say about the end, but what does the story, the rest of the gospel story, say Jesus does about the weeds in the meantime? He says that he loves them, and he dies for them, and he rises that he might keep on loving and forgiving them. And I, for one, absolutely praise God for that. Because after a difficult parable like this one that uncovers my self-righteous crack habit, I can hardly tell whether I'm wheat or weed. (laughs) But even if I can't tell what I am, and you either, And maybe that's just a point to blur those lines and make us not care so much about them, at least not smile so big when we find the Oreos, so that we can instead simply rejoice that whatever we are, wheat or weed, we're all in that marvelous field.
that you are part of that mixed field that the master absolutely loves. Tom or Jerry, unrighteous or self-righteous, wheat or weed, you have a Savior who dies and rises, who washes and feeds, who loves fully and forgives wholly. Contraband cookie thieves and hoity-toity tattletales, just the same. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.